Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Mike Zink. I'm Shanghai High Shane Pierce. Welcome to episode 95, Beach Blast 1993. A day at the beach. A night for revenge. I know. uh, Mike Zink, because I miss Tom Zink, the Z-Man, but then I realized that I'm pretty sure that we said that he was gone. <laughs> I was like, oh, I think Matt told Dang. me he was gone, and I cried on mic. We're keeping him alive. And uh, I just, at watching the show, I forgot that he was gone, and I was just like, where's my guy? And then I just realized that he was gone, and yeah. I miss him. So I decided to take his name in our uh, emotional marriage he doesn't know about. <laughs> <laughs> this is the second annual Beach Blast pay-per-view produced by the WCW. It would take place on July 18th, 1993, at the Mississippi Coast Coliseum in Biloxi, Mississippi, with an attendance of 8,600 people. Moving on up. Holy fucksy, we're in Biloxi. Oh my gosh. We're like a full, like, 1,500 people over, like, top-tier WCW right now. Right? See what happens when they are go we not new? Go to new places. Get some yeah, more people. Yeah, it definitely helps. <laughs> And you're still in the South, so it's like, oh, well, this is still JCP, our, WCW. Still our territory, yeah. yeah. Have you ever, guys ever been to Mississippi? I have not. Me neither. It's, nope, I mean, never been through there. I've had to spell it a lot, but. I know a guy from I've watched Biloxi Blues. That's, you got that's, me there, that's too. That's the closest I've got to, <laughs> to Mississippi. But we're in Mississippi. We are. So, what kind of delicious treat did you bring us this week? Oh, pulling on into Mississippi. All right. It looks well, like it weighs so much. It uh, it it kind of does. <laughs> uh, a, hef- a hefty half sandy. Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah. Even the half is is mighty hefty. It's it takes after its namesake. So yeah, we're in Mississippi, birthplace of Elvis. I looked up what is the signature sandwich, official sandwich of Mississippi, and it turns out it is the Elvis. Um, I guess because I'm surprised that's in Mississippi and not in. Like I'm sure it's a popular Nashville? thing in Tennessee too, Memphis? but yeah. it's this is his birth state, so oh, okay. they, they got to take that makes sense. Some though. credit. That's cool. I actually have been watching the uh, Ken Burns Country, and I just got to uh, you know where Elvis and Johnny Cash show up, and it's wild how incredibly handsome Elvis was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just saying, I'm telling you, he uh, crazy, insane. He was ahead of his time, and then gone in the looks soon. department alone. Exactly. I mean, he he made it. He made it. He's got the pretty, looks. He, he made it all moves. the way to Las Vegas, guys. Come on. <laughs> I mean, he enlisted in the military and even came back and continued on with that hella career. But anyways, enough about him. Let's talk about this. We have the Elvis to my friends over at Honey Bunny Biscuit Co. right here in Oklahoma City for their version of what they call the Velvet Elvis. It is a biscuit. That is uh, sandwiched. It has some uh, peanut butter, 
bacon, bananas, and then it's drizzled with honey. You got your, your salty, your sweet, your savory, your meat group, your bread group, your fruit. I don't know if, yeah. I mean, it's peanut butter. Butter counts as dairy, so there's your dairy group. Yeah. <laughs> All the food groups are represented. <laughs> but yeah, what this about is legumes? A, uh, Where are legumes? Is that a fruit or a vegetable? It's a legume. It's a bean. It's a bean, so that's a vegetable? And I think they're their own thing. All right, well, whatever. Yeah, in, in honor of Elvis. The umami. <laughs> that's a, has a flavor oh, yes. profile. <laughs> but yeah. The Elvis, or the Velvet Elvis, mouth, I should say. Long. Peanut butter, bananas, <laughs> bacon, honey, biscuit. I'm taking a big-ass bite because uh, everybody else already has. So mm-hmm. thank you for listening. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's like it's uh, it's like the cinnamon challenge of sandwiches. It, like, sucks the moisture out of your mouth. Like, I had a napkin. There it is. All right. Thank you, Honey Bunny Biscuit Company. While they're chopping down on these delicious, delicious biscuits. And it might take them a minute to be able to talk again because of this, because yeah. of the peanut butter and mm-hmm. the biscuit. It's and like the Popeye's biscuit memes. <laughs> the week before this show, a trio of films were all released: In the Line of Fire, Rookie of the Year, and Weekend at Bernie's Two. Hell yeah! Mm-hmm. If twenty if twenty twenty one's like twenty twenty, I'm going to be the star of Weekend at Bernie's Three. <laughs> but you're gonna have to, you know, just come and find me to see. <laughs> to be part, it's an interactive film <laughs> where it's me drunk, just wandering the country in a Hawaiian shirt and glasses I mean, by myself, no friends. There goes. It doesn't seem like a horrible way to go about it. But. <laughs> yeah, we're rolling out of a, a crazy year. It's about time. You know, we've had some some zombies or some or just bust out your Hawaiian shirt, voodoo, and make a make a margarita and just get to walking. Put on the sunglasses, do the little head wiggle. Any thoughts about any... I have not seen In the Line of Fire. Rookie of the Year is definitely saw in the theater. A million sports movies made by Disney and like geared towards children. And I saw all of them in the theater. Yes. The Big Green, Ladybugs, Rookie of the Year, Angels in the Outfield. I saw them all. Little Giants. Another good one, yeah. Yeah. I saw all those movies in the theater as a kid. And it's just weird that there were so many of them. It, they were all just like, oh, what if we do like a family-friendly, what's the good Walter Matthau one? Grumpy Old Men? Or Bad, Bad News Bears? Bears? Bad News Bears, which is my favorite of all the ones I just named. <laughs> but that's because he's, you know, drinking and cursing, and it's great. But Rookie of the Year, yeah. What's in the line of fire? In the I line of know. fire was uh, Clint Eastwood playing oh. a Secret Service agent. John Malkovich. John Malkovich, oh. uh, yeah. Um, it's, is it a Clint Eastwood-directed film? It sounds no. like the name of a Clint Eastwood movie. I don't think so. I don't, think okay. I don't believe it is. It's before he really got into directing. Well, um, not true, because we, we well, talked that's about right. Unforgiven. That's yeah. right. But it's I one of those... It's Pale a Rider thriller. It's a thriller film. That, oh, okay. um, it sounds like a cop movie. I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, he it's for Secret Service. Secret Service. Oh, okay. But it's a, a thriller. Yeah, but it's... Yeah. Because yeah. someone's trying to, you know, kill In the president. In the line of fire him. And Clint Eastwood is the guy to save the day, basically. But it's... It's it's up there definitely on like my guilty pleasure type movies. Oh, okay. Where if it comes on, I'm just like, okay, I have to watch this. Oh, really? See, that's me huh. with Weekend at Bernie's too. Oh, Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> Those were just like UPN or like like trash cable channel classics. Like I mean, Weekend the first one was phenomenal. They, this one was your typical... To me, they're the same movie just because I 
never watched it. I never like put the tape in to watch them. But I think about these movies all the time. And I think recently I like Googled like Weekend at Bernie's Blu-ray. Just because I was like, <laughs> I need this combo you pack. You need the two-pack, man. I need the two-pack. So I went to see this one many, many, many times in the theater. Because... Weekend at Bernie's? Yeah. Many times? I mean, it was... Sometimes I was visiting Tulsa. My sister lived near the Fontana uh, movie theater, and, and they played were, it. You guys were burning the summer. It was a dollar, so or, oh yeah, you know, fifty cents you saw on it Tuesdays at the, like, uh, at the replay theater. Oh yeah, so I mean, it was. I think I saw it probably at least a dozen or more times oh while I was God. visiting, just because. I mean, that's how I was with movies. You know, same as I binge TV shows now. I binged movies, and I would go and see. The same movie four or five times while it was there. You know, this one because I was, you know, it was summertime and it was so cheap. You were a Bernie bro, the original exactly. Bernie bro. Uh, I didn't think I, about that. I uh, I have a hard time rewatching films. Like even some of my favorite movies, I've probably only seen like three or four or five times, or maybe only like twice. And then there's sometimes like it's like if there's something that. I just like pops in my head and I think about it a lot. I'm like, oh, I probably really like that if I just think about it all the time. Yeah. And then when I rewatch it, that then it gets like kind of more categorized in my mind. But I'm bad about. I can't just like keep be like oh, I love Alien, but I just can't watch Alien five times in a month or whatever. Yeah, see, I'm I'm total opposite. I'm not a I'm not a very good at casual viewing. I can't just like put a movie on and like walk away. I feel like that I have to just like, sit there and focus to the point where I probably ingest less, but whenever I do, it's like the full experience. And see, I think for me, growing up in small town Nebraska, not we, to had, say. we had our movie theater and anything that came through there, I had my seat, you know, second row from the front. Just to the right of the right aisle, you know that was my That's, spot. And every you're a front guy, second from the front. That's so close. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a small theater, so I mean, everything oh, was yeah. everything like, was. About it it the wasn't same. tiered; it was just like flat. Yeah, but yeah, I I went every movie that came through town basically from 1986 until I moved out of that town in 1995. I went to because. What else is there to do in this little teeny tiny town? And, I miss the movies. You know, there were certain ones that I would go to several times. You know, I remember when Cocktail was in the theaters. That one played for free all summer long. So I went almost every night because what the hell else God. was there to do? It was a free movie. So I'll go and me, eat popcorn. Making me wish I was older because I'm just like, ah, a time when like theaters were smaller and movies were more interesting and I couldn't just like pay two dollars to watch cocktail on my television right now <laughs> and like everything wasn't so boringly sanitized and we're and i'm still ta saying that like it's the 80s and then the 70s is where all the real gritty shit got done yeah i was a movie theater kid that when the the movie theater was seeking new ownership they called my family <laughs> to see if we were interested in that rules you know buying it because well, i was there so much you made when, the right choice when they <laughs> at this point in time when they got new seats I was asked if I wanted my seat because oh my god yeah and Shame my you're my spot legend. my spot is officially retired too it became one of the handicapped did spots, you keep the so. speed the key, no because you, I was uh, already long gone uh, but I bet you wish you had that seat now I kind of do but it's also I was like but what then, the hell am I gonna do with this it's gross I also like the fact that now when you go in there it's not there like I've got a picture from the last time I was there where oh I it's was, still open yeah, I I sat on the just the concrete floor because that's where my seat was. I like the idea of you doing like a squad pick with <laughs> a like handicapped just chair. <laughs> no. Anyway. My, my, my old spot is now wheelchair parking only. So. Yeah. In the line of fire. 
<laughs> Let's see what happens at this Beach Blast 93. Can it can it be as good as 92? It better be a blast to me. I mean, it better not be. I a I had I beach. have high hopes going in. Will there be a rookie of the year in this show? Or will it just be a weekend at Bernie's? <laughs> <laughs> you leave Bernie out of this. Uh, we may see a dead man walking or two. <laughs> Don't put anyone in the line of fire, man. <laughs> we get logo and animation video with narration going over all the matches of the show. I love the Crayola, like, moving <laughs> wrestler names. I kept waiting for, and like, the splashes. The pictures to pop up, though. That, yeah, that was the part that was throwing me off. I there was there was no pictures. Yeah, very home like first season home movies yes. vibes. <laughs> Eric Bischoff and Missy Hyatt welcome us to the show from the stage that is made to look like a beach. Yeah, because hey. beach blast. Yeah, beach blast. We remember last beach blast. I remember it so clearly. Bischoff's in shorts and a backwards hat, which is not a good look for him. Hey, it's hip to be square. <laughs> While Missy is in a swimsuit. Which yeah, is a good look for her. Surprised that Missy went one piece, but I mean, you know, they probably wouldn't let her go two piece. Yeah, they're like, mm, we'll save that for Jesse's gals. That was kind WCW of, Gone Wild. Kind of a popular style though back then, because yeah, I mean, thinking back to other shows like Saved by Bay, the Bell, Kelly Kapowski yeah. was always in yeah, there. Yeah, she was always the in bikini had not piece. had not quite hit the, its stride. Yeah, a little risque. Shania Twain would you know fully kick that door down in a couple more years. But them two preview the matches with Hyatt being very excited. We then go to Tony Schiavone at ringside, and he has shades and a sunscreen thing on it's his nose. Zinc. You never had that as a kid? The, no, the, I never like, had that. Uh, uh, well, I, when I was really little, I lived in California, so we were like basically 45 minutes from the beach and like 45 minutes from the mountains, because it was like close to Sacramento. But... Yeah, you get the the cool color blocker stuff on your nose. It's a fun thing. I can smell it already. So when I saw that, it threw me back to being like a really small kid. Yeah, I never get to wear that. I'll get you guys some on eBay. It's fun. It's a good look. I think I'd rock it now. I'm pretty sure in Weekend at Bernie's they put it on them. They do. I just never knew what it was called. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I think they called it Zinc. zinc. So maybe that's why hey, Mike I'm zinc. Mike Zinc. It's a double <laughs> entendre. That's what I meant. That's what I did. Hey. I promise. I swear. I'm remembering it now. Shivani doesn't know where Jesse the Body Ventura is. He's with the girls. Of course. He's up on the stage at the bar. He's hiding in Missy's Missy's cleavage. I mean, that's probably where he wishes he was. (laughs) Totally unaware that the show is starting, Jesse. How how professional of you. Yeah. But then he makes his way to ringside with the young ladies walking with him. One's not so young. uh, (laughs) Which was very funny to me. I was like, is that his wife? And... uh, this walk down to the state or down to the ring takes forever. forever. Yeah, it's like they really kill the the like energy of the yeah. pay per view real quick with this Jesse. And it bit. just got really awkward. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> like, like they get it's, down and it gets like ab- absurd, like cringe like, humor. And the girls don't know where to stand once like no. Jesse and Tony are standing there. They're like trying to get them to like be turn towards the camera and they're like they have no clue what they should have done is have jesse come out with a little bit of pyro all the girls and then he talks to tony for a second and they joke around they throw to missy and 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 eric and then they throw it to gary michael capetta and we start the show that sounds great yeah but this is the eric bischoff show now so he's got to kick it off (laughs) but he kicks it off with this first match ron simmons versus mr wonderful paul orndorff 
for the WCW Television Championship. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I was like, okay, cool, because I've praised the shit out of old Paul here race, recently, exactly. and I've wanted better competition for old Ron for a while. So <laughs> there's a little bit of a story behind this match. These two men had met on television, but had gone to a time limit draw. They then had a second encounter, and Mr. Wonderful used a foreign object to win. So it set up the trilogy to hopefully be settled here at Beach Blast. We didn't. We're, yeah, we don't have a whole episode dedicated to the Ron Simmons Paul Orndorff trilogy. S- sorry, is are you is, Orndorff? Is, is, is Orndorff ninety three look like Flair's eighty nine? <laughs> <laughs> so the stipulation on this match was that if Orndorff was disqualified. The belt would change hands. Woo! That's a good deed. That's a that's good. Paul's, Keep it simple. Exactly. Paul's coming out and he sees a Paula sign. Out oh the my god! Does not like it at all. You know what's crazy? I recently watched an old like '80s uh, MSG show, WWF MSG show, because there's a lot of them on YouTube, and there's kind of fun to throw on. And the Paula chants were happening a full decade before this. I think I watched like an '84 show, and I was like, "Damn, this is just..." Keeps keeps on rolling. But that sign distracts him before the bell, but, it's, but it allows Simmons to attack him from behind, sending him out to the floor. Once in the ring, Ron continues the attack, hitting a back elbow, a drop kick for a two count, forcing Mr. Wonderful back out to the floor to regroup. Orndorff with a drop toe takedown goes for an elbow drop, only for Ron to move and begin working over Paul's arm. But Mr. Wonderful escapes and starts hitting multiple back elbows. Charges into the corner, which Simmons moves and goes back to work on the arm. Orndorff locks on a sleeper, hits a back suplex, and then comes off the top rope, only for Ron to move, hurting Paul's knee. So Simmons begins to work it over. Oh, I love it. Locking on a figure four, (sighs) which Mr. Wonderful finally escapes by reaching the ropes. I just love that of course, Ron should just be working the arms of the better worker, arms and legs of the better worker here, because that's like a pretty simple thing to do. And you're also the bigger guy. Orndorff drags Ron out to the floor, slamming his head on the announcer's table and the apron before going back into the ring to hit some elbow drops and work the neck. Simmons looks to fire up, but a high knee from Paul slows the momentum and he goes back to working the neck. Ron backs Mr. Wonderful into the corner and charges into a big boot and then is face planted by Orndorff for a two count. Paul is tossed to the ropes and given a power slam for a near fall by Simmons. But Mr. Wonderful comes back with a throat thrust and goes for a back body drop, which Ron turns into a sunset flip for a two count. Orndorff goes for a drop kick but misses, allowing Simmons to take advantage, hitting a clothesline and a back elbow for a near fall. Ron then hits a vertical suplex, makes the cover, but Paul grabs the ropes to stop the count. Damn. Rake of the eyes and Mr. Wonderful goes for the pile driver, but Simmons reverses into a back body drop that sends Orndorff over the ropes and to the floor. And all of a sudden, the bell rings. Post-match... Ron tosses Paul back into the ring, coming off the top rope with a flying shoulder block and makes the cover, but the ref is waving him off. 
Mr. Wonderful then is about to leave, but decides to come back inside the ring and swings the title belt at Simmons. <sighs> bad, Ooh. bad idea. Yeah. But he ducks and lays out Orndorff, picks up the belt, and celebrates with the fans for a moment. Unfortunately, the official announcement was the winner of Paul Orndorff. Paul. By disqualification. Yeah. Wait, no blow-off? What's a... Start the pay-per-view with a blow-off of the feud. How many matches can they have? With the lame-ass uh, over-the-top rope yeah. DQ. I love the wavy replays, by the way, on this. All the replays, they do, like, wave effects on the, on the camera. Yeah, very funny. Yeah, at first I thought it was just a bad... <laughs> bad yeah, like, so we've watched some shows bad where it's quality. like technical difficulties. <laughs> nope, that was intentional. Yeah. yeah. Hey, it was high-tech hey, back yeah, then. Yeah, good. So we're off to our second match. Two Cold Scorpio and Marcus Alexander Bagwell versus Tex Slallinger and Shanghai Pierce. Uh, who? Well, both of the Texicans we will recognize better later on as the Godwin brothers. Mm, Henry yes. and Phineas. Henry O. From their run in WWF. Yep, Henry O and Phineas I. Who would later become old Midian? Midian AKA oh, I didn't know that he was Midian. Naked yeah. Midian. Midian is so forgettable. Such a yeah. good name. I think the name is pulled from some like weird goth shit, but I know it from the movie Nightbreed. Yeah. Yeah. When he when I saw him take the mask off or whatever it was that he was wearing when he came down the ring, because at first it was like, who the fuck are these guys? And then I saw his face. And I was like, oh wait, is that Midian? And then I happened to look at the, the notes that you wrote and saw that the other one was Henry O. I wouldn't have guessed that was him because yeah. I remember him just being this big old, big old big boy. Yeah. But, no. no, Midian's like the the uh, the chubby taker. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's just like, he's like if Mick Foley was chubby he, taker yeah. with saggy tabs. <laughs> <laughs> so, so mean to Midian. The two teams get chance going from the crowd. They like have a duel of of the chance oh, yeah Bagwell's dancing <laughs> he's hey. what do you expect he's horrible <laughs> but he's uh, Bagwell just seems like the kind of guy that doesn't have a whole lot between the ears but you would definitely have a great oh, yeah. time sh- sharing a beer with him oh yeah but, and, I mean, what do I back know? then he was at his you know beefcakeiest. so I mean all he had to do was shake around he didn't really have to to move well yeah he was right here goes. he's more cut than like puffy Puffy ripped or puffy like uh, buff. Yeah, which he ends up being more puffy puff than buff. More puff than buff. <laughs> Big Papa Puff. Bagwell starts us off with Shanghai, with Pierce using his power early on, but Marcus hits a crossbody. Then Too Cold comes in for a double super kick and a double face plants on Tex oh, to send gosh. the Texicans out to the floor to regroup. Mm. Yeah, so there's it's a little, a little rough here. Scorpio with a botch, which, you know, he started kind of rough, even though he does the high-fly stuff in the first few times we've seen him, but he's kind of back to a few misses on this show. Yeah. Not taking anything away from him, because he's doing some wild shit, especially with people that aren't used to working matches with people that do the stuff that he's doing. Scorpio goes for a cannonball off the back of Bagwell, but Shanghai no-sells and begins to stomp away on too cold. Only for Scorpio to then hit a springboard crossbody out onto the ramp to take down Pierce. Once everything calms down, Salinger back body drops too cold to take control, 
sets him up on the top rope and begins to slap him, which wakes up Scorpio, who comes off with a crossbody for a two count, followed by a drop kick and an arm drag takedown. Can you imagine how good it would be just to be able to slap somebody as part of your job? <laughs> I feel like that I would feel bad about it, but like, you promised that you're not going to be mad at me? <laughs> I'd just be great. I'm going to dream about that for like the next couple weeks at work. In 2021, maybe you can hit the indie circuit. You'd be, that could be your gimmick. Be the slap man. Slap Master Shane. Mm-hmm. Double arm drag by Marcus and too cold on Tex. Bagwell with multiple arm drags on Shanghai and begins to wear both Texicans down with arm bars, followed by a vertical suplex for a near fall. Salinger tosses Marcus to the ropes, where Pierce gets a knee into his back from the apron, which allows the Texicans to take control, working over Bagwell's arm until Marcus hits a desperation sunset flip for a two count, but Tex with a huge clothesline to stop the momentum. The Texicans go back to work on the arm, but the crowd begins to fire up Bagwell, only for Pierce to hit a sit-out powerbomb for a near fall. Very nice. The near fall sit-out powerbomb. Come on. That could, that could put a man away. He can get the, the feet on the shoulders. <laughs> Shanghai with an elbow drop, body slam, goes for another elbow, but Marcus moves in time and makes the crawl only for Tex to stop him. Salinger with a shoulder breaker, Pierce with an elbow drop for a two count, begins to slam Bagwell's head into multiple turnbuckles. Oh my god. When Marcus avoids a charging Shanghai, crawls through his legs to make the hot tag. Scorpio with punches to Pierce, drop kick to Tex, super kick to Shanghai, followed by a splash, and makes the cover, but Salinger breaks it up. The Texicans are then tossed into each other and too cold with a drop kick to Tex to send him over the ropes. Shanghai is then hit with a back suplex by Bagwell, followed by the Firebird 450 splash by Scorpio for the pin and, and the win. win. I didn't know what to call that. Yeah. Firebird. Firebird 450 splash. Should we mention that he kicked someone over the ropes and we just had a disqualification in the first match? Because of the same thing? No, probably not. That's, oh, okay. That's oh, yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. He kicked different. him, but he, he didn't kick him with the intention of kicking yeah, him. Yeah, oh, the, the other one was like... He went uh, with his own... Was a... Was a body weight. Was a blow-off match with a slight stipulation, so basically yeah. there's no rules. Yeah, kicking somebody <laughs> and, and they... The they pushes play. them over is one thing, but mm-hmm. backflipping them over is you tossing them out. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 Didn't you know, like, I'm still learning these WCW rules yeah, after yeah. 95 episodes. Of series mm-hmm. well, where's Bill Watts? Bring him back. No thanks. <laughs> One Watts is enough. Missy Hyatt on the stage with Paul Orndorff and the Equalizer. And we haven't seen the Equalizer since WCW New Japan Pro Wrestling Super Show 1 all mm. the way back in episode 55. He was not good then. I didn't think he was because... I didn't even remember him from that show. Orndorff takes the mic and he says, I'm the John Wayne oh, professional he wrestler. Okay, I have that here. I was like, who's P.O.? I, play I thought we already rules. dealt with him. <laughs> I play by the rules right down the middle. You saw what Ron Simmons did to my good friend, the Equalizer. And then I was like, no, no Paul, we, we didn't see what happened. Mm. No, we didn't, but he assumes that you watched the television. You bought the pay-per-view. You better know. That's true. Oh. 
I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't buy a random wrestling pay-per-view if I didn't watch the show regularly. Never mind. At least not in, not in the 90s. But I'm always like, show, don't tell. Yeah, but technology is difficult here. Explain, we can't just, don't you know, just talk about it. They can't just, uh, they can't just like, Chromecast it to the Titan Tron. <laughs> I mean, they can do the little diddly-doo, diddly-doo, mm. maybe screen thing and just have a, a yeah. clip show up so we can see what he's talking about. Yeah, maybe the equalizer could uh, or, get a really bright light and do like a shadow puppet show. Or just don't have this interview on the paper. Yeah, it's really not good here at all. It's pointless. Save it for Saturday It's like we night. just saw Paul. Like We already saw Paul. Yeah. He's done now. Like have the interview before the match to hype up the match. I don't need to see him after the match. Yeah. I mean, Eric's... Eric's learning here. So we go to our third match. Eric Watts versus Lord Steven Regal. Oh, Lord. With Sir William Dundee. Uh, I don't know if they turned the sound down, but, I mean, Vince doesn't care. But there's not the booze that we've come to know for Eric Watts coming out by himself. No? Just saying. And I will say, Eric has better gear here than he has before. For, oh, so what is it this there's, time? There's, Normally you just had the red. Was it just well, he's wearing like actual wrestling like tights instead of oh, yeah. his clunky throw-together get-up that he had before. Instead so, of his like, like uh, his I want to be tidy whities <laughs> Yeah, I want to be uh, his Doctor Death Juniors. <laughs> like that. <laughs> so we have seen Sir William before at Starcade '86, episode oh. ten. Where he wrestled Sam Houston. Oh, my favorite guy that nobody cares about. Why do I don't remember that match? Me neither. It was for and the... it's one of my favorite guys, the bumping, the bumping, the master of the of the bump. It's like Houston. the NWA Missouri <clears throat> Heavyweight Championship or something like that. Oh it man, was, I it was a regional title. I thought this was our first Stephen Regal. I, I forget forgot. that. Yeah. It is our first <laughs> Stephen Regal. Yeah, but Sir William. Uh, okay. Yeah. I didn't think. Of, yeah. Oh, Sir William. Okay, Sir sorry. William, I, the, the guy on the outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, I I'm, I'm. I was. Stuck all, in I had all Stephen Regal in my head because. Stuck uh, in the spoiler alert. Forgot they changed his name. Absolutely great, but <laughs> yeah, Sam Houston take bu- takes bumps like people that like do like fake falling in public for comedy. Like that's he Pratt takes fall. bumps like yeah, like a Pratt fall. Like he's the Chevy Chase of of uh, the wrestling bump. Yeah. What. What his brother Jake did with mind games, he does. With he, he does with falling, <laughs> and I love him for it. So Regal prances around, being dignified and not locking up until he is ready. Oh yeah. So yeah. when he does go for the lockup, Watts then returns the favor and backs away, doing the same exact thing. Oh, don't forget, we're getting USA chance immediately. Yeah. Once the two men get started, they trade wrist locks until Stephen hits a. Monkey flip, only for Eric to hold on to the wrist. Regal with a snapmare to take control of the arm, but Watts escapes to go back to the wrist lock before hitting a back body drop. The two continue with mat wrestling with bridges, tests of strengths, and multiple pinning predicaments. I know, I'm sitting here watching this on like, Eric Watts catch wrestling match? Question mark? I'm like, well, it's Steven Regal. And then I'm continuing to watch the match and I'm like, I love you, Zack Sabre Jr. <laughs> <laughs> and see, my note here is, I don't remember how close to this time was, but Jesse misses JR. He can't bash Oklahoma to Tony because Tony doesn't respond. <laughs> <laughs> and 
hip tossed by Eric after escaping a drop toe hold to go back to work on the arm when Steven goes for a back body drop of his own, only for Watts to turn it into a sunset flip for a two count. Regal's now working an ankle lock, starts giving European uppercuts, oh, yeah. a snapmare, pulls the knee pad down, but misses the knee drop, allowing Eric to work the bad knee, locking on the STF, only for Sir William to crack him across the skull with his umbrella. Thank you, sir. Watts begins to stalk Dundee, allowing Stephen to come from behind, rolling him up with a handful of tights. For the pin... And, and the win. win. I love that in this match, Tony Schiavone even says that fans are conditioned not to applaud like technical, like <laughs> any like shits on the crowd for not appreciating like catch technical like wrestling, and that's how I felt watching it. I was like, I was loving. I love this. The, yeah, the catch wrestling. Yeah, I love. I love that was like, that, yeah, I loved it. I was like, hmm. But you also have the like the guy, yeah. You I mean, have the, the guy, guy. That they put in there, to and have the other guy, with Goldberg. The other guy, but the other guy did it better than Goldberg probably would have, honestly. As oh, much definitely. as we shit on Eric Watts after I watched this match, I texted both of you and was like, "Yeah, I think I liked an Eric Watts match." Definitely. I mean, this is like Tom McGee, uh, Bret Hart. <laughs> it's like I don't know if I'm gonna go that. Far. I mean, well, Tom McGee was fucking <laughs> incredible looking and huge and like. Like that's yeah he was he looked like Johnny B Bad like yeah. ripped and stuff and Eric Watts is a like big a guy one. but he just looks like a like a carpenter yeah yeah I I will admit I liked an Eric Watts match but you didn't but I didn't like <laughs> Eric Watts in the Eric Watts match I'll give him I'll give him props to being <laughs> able to allow open himself up to a match this entertaining with Steven Regal because some yeah. people could have fucked it up bad. Oh, completely. Agreed. We then get an ad for Fall Brawl 93 featuring War Games. Fall Brawl, y'all. So it's coming. Another War Games. Welcome to the War Games. Jesse's then at ringside to interview Lord Steven Regal. Regal makes fun of the imbecile Tony Schiavone. Aww. And says, I didn't even break a sweat beating <laughs> Eric Watts. And he is just pouring rain. sweat, by the way. <laughs> like, like, it's, yeah. Like, he's... Aww. Drenched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yep. yeah. It's it's wild how much sweat he's legitimately pouring. But he then challenges Mister Wonderful for the television championship, as the Queen has sent him on a mission. And you know what I thought when he said that? God damn, I want to see that match. Yeah, that would be a fun match to see. Maybe we'll see it soon. Hopefully, I'd like to. We then go to Eric Bischoff on the stage, and he sends us to video highlights from Clash of Champions. And we see Max Payne, where he shoots a bad blaster right into the face of Johnny B. Bad. And the bad blaster is Johnny B. Bad's confetti gun. Yes. Because yes. I didn't know it was called a bad blaster. <laughs> so I just put it out there in case you guys didn't know that's what it's called. So that sets up our fourth match of Max Payne versus Johnny B. Bad. The Super Grudge match. So Max plays Norma oh, Jean. Max Payne with Norma Jean, his his manager. But he plays him <laughs> while walking out to the ring. Her. It. Guitar. All guitars are girls. <laughs> There's someone holding a Max Payne towel in the crowd, and that was cooler than Payne himself. Yeah, yeah I couldn't believe. Like I liked the logo. Yeah, the, the, like I was like, oh my god, the Max Payne shirt, like. 
This is cool. I wrote, I'd rather hear Dolph Ziggler's music right now. Max's music sucks. I mean, yeah, I mean, he comes out him with the guitar thing. Plugging a guitar. Yeah, he was better here, at least, because, like, walking out with the guitar is, like, kind of cool, but Max Payne is legitimately, like, paper towel boring. Yeah. Like, he has yeah. just got no... He's swagless. But Bad has a mask on to protect his face because he got disfigured from oh, that the mask bad blaster. Is so great. He's got, like, a pink tiki mask, you know, because of the beach and because... Johnny be bad, and bad boys wear pink. That's right. Johnny be masked. So as the bell rings, Johnny with the double leg takedown, stiff right hands, and a crossbody for a two count. Bad then sends Payne to the corner and charges in. Johnny's gonna kick his ass. But Max moves, and Johnny goes flying over the ropes to the floor. Back in the ring, Payne with a vertical suplex, body slam, splash in the corner, delivers a backbreaker, and locks on the painkiller. It's a basically a Fujiwara armbar, but Bad makes the ropes to break the hold. It's like a standing armbar, not a finish. Not not deserving of a name. Another vertical suplex by Max tosses Johnny to the ropes, who comes back with a sunset flip for the near fall. Crossbody by Bad, but Payne catches him, slams him to the mat, and goes for an elbow drop, only for Johnny to move and hit a drop kick that sends Max out to the floor. Bad then follows out with a Pescado, which the camera misses. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, come on, guys. But is then sent shoulder first into the ring post. Payne looks to deliver a headbutt, but Johnny moves, and Max hits the ring post as well. They roll back into the ring. Johnny comes off the top rope with a crossbody for the pin and, and the, the win. win. Hmm. It was quick and better than I expected. It's over. Just saying. That was the best part about that match. <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was quick and okay. I mean, they both went into the ring post, and then he just goes at the top rope and comes off with a like third crossbody of the match for the pin. I mean, yeah, but they're at least they're, they're big boys. But, I mean, you know, it's hard to talk about exposing the business on this 93 show when we live in 2020. <laughs> so, uh, I get I it. Just, for some reason, I have... And maybe maybe he did more on TV, but I just remember Johnny B. Bad being more of like a constant in-ring performer, like actually doing stuff. And his at least on pay-per-views, he hasn't really shined that much. No, they gave him a good like first when he first came out, but then they didn't. They were like, "Oh well, they you didn't can't." Capitalize yeah, well, the thing is, is, like you can't lead a match, and we're not gonna put you with. But like, who all here? They don't have, they've been missing Ric Flair. Like, who's your guys that are leading matches that aren't, that are like heels? I mean, they, they've missed time. some opportunities I mean, with him where they could have thrown him in there with a couple of people, you know, your, your Z Mans, your, yeah. your Pillmans, whatnot. Just Even to... Z Man is like a, a big guy, little guy tag would have been fun. Who, Bad? Yeah. I mean, Bad was considered a junior, it was basically a light heavyweight there for a while that's crazy he's gigantic i mean but if you you're not gonna put him in the ring with vader i feel like that they would look nice next to each other i don't know i mean he's smaller than sting even is he yeah yeah wow for me i feel like that he's a real big dude maybe uh i don't know i bet i bet him could explain why sable was that easy to i bet him and Pillman (laughs) probably look pretty similar if you really next to each other yeah for some reason i feel like that Bad is like, like shorter than like 
Sid or whatever, but I feel like that he's more in your like sting like weight class. I don't know. I guess I'm just crazy. My eyeballs. I need to get my eyeballs checked. We go to our fifth match. The horsemen of the Enforcer, Arn Anderson and Paul Roma, versus the Hollywood Blondes of stunning Steve Austin and flying Brian Pillman for the WCW and NWA World Tag Team Championships. And you guys were like, oh, so the show starts at match five. (laughs) So the crowd's yelling at the Blondes, which causes them to waste some time out on the floor arguing with fans. Did you know that the Blondes are Sylvester Stallone's favorites? Mm. Probably Wesley Snipes, too? Yeah, maybe. Those horsemen, horse on the beach, like, t-shirts they come out on? Mm. Pretty sweet. So good. The two teams are feeling each other out until Pillman hits a hip toss and a knee lift to the gut. Austin comes in to hit a back body drop, but Arn comes right back with right hands. And just the Hollywood Blondes are so heel that they're like picking fights with the crowd as they're like walking out. And their entrance theme is like the hardest like rock tune that we've heard that's like an original. It's pretty like it's a legitimately like great riff. Yeah, it made them. They are the whole package all yeah. like here. It's great. That's what made them instantly stand out once they. Locked all that together. Yeah, and all, you, like you the camera turn away from moment them. thing. The thing mm-hmm. they do, really, really just uh, shining out here. Yep, and it's it's simple stuff too that mm-hmm. that they do to to get the heat from the crowd and you know just those little movements like you're talking about yeah. that, that little camera movement with the the cranking hand. That's always you know, yeah the super something I I attribute to them. Arn comes back with the right hands to send stunning Steve out to the ramp. Austin rolls in and asks for a handshake. So Double A obliges with a shot to the gut. Paul comes in and works on the arm of Steve until he delivers a sunset flip and a backslide for two counts. Roma then misses a crossbody, allowing the blondes to tag. And Flying Brian comes in with chops, but ends up running into a choke lift. Oh no. Paul sets Pillman on the corner, only for Brian to jump over him. But Roma turns to hit a clothesline. Anderson then with a Irish whip, only for Pillman to attempt to leap up and over a charging arm. But Double A catches him and delivers a rubber band slam. Anderson then follows out with a catapult into into a Roma right hand. Flying Brian is picked up to be tossed, but his knee buckles multiple times. But it was all a ruse, as Pillman uses the trickery to dump Arn out to the floor. Classic Pillman. Then coming off the apron with a double axe handle, which double A moves in time, so Brian goes straight into the guardrail. Uh, Is this where the best thing on potentially this whole show happens? Where, uh, Where Steve helps Pillman up, and he checks on him to make sure he's okay, and then, like, kisses his head, and just gets, like... It's just, like... Maybe my favorite moment in wrestling. Yeah. I was just like, this is so good. The way that they interact together, uh, Steve doing it with like all sincerity, and the crowd just like being like, we already didn't like you. And like, I was just immediately I texted, I was like, this is the greatest thing <laughs> I've ever seen. And all it was is like, we're talking about wrestling, but the greatest thing I've ever seen was just a kiss. <laughs> just just a friendly kiss. Might I also say, I forgot how good Steve Austin looks with hair. 
Oh, yeah, he's got that, like, yeah. little yeah. high and tight. 20-plus years with a shaved head or a bald head. Yeah. And, yeah I, and even then, he's, like, th- he's thinning he's here, thin, but it doesn't yeah. look... But it doesn't look no, bad. It looks good. Yeah. He's not like Costanzaing. Back in the ring, Anderson tries for a gourd buster, but Pillman puts on the brakes. So Paul makes the blind tag and flies in with a top rope sunset flip for the pin, only for Austin to break it up. Roma goes after stunning Steve, which allows Brian to hit him from behind with a knee, sending him out to the floor, where Austin drops Paul with the not so. Rubber band slam. <laughs> That's on the steel, right? Yeah. yeah. Back in the ring, the blondes begin to work over Roma with double teams, a gut wrench suplex, clotheslines, and taunting at every chance they get. I wish I'd insert like camera sound. I guess it's hard to even, I don't even know if anybody knows what that is, but like the. Yeah, yeah. Paul begins to fire up with a big boot on a charging Steve, but Austin recovers to stop the tag. Pillman looks to continue the attack by slamming Roma's head into the turnbuckle, but is blocked and reversed. Paul then goes up top, coming off with a missile dropkick, but Flying Brian goes up for a dropkick of his own, and both men are down. I know, I was like, oh, that's wild. Like, you get the double dropkick spot, but when someone's, how often is someone dropkicking up while someone's dropkicking down? And like, cool idea, it's not... A complete failure here, but it's not picture perfect either. Yeah. Roma then crawls to the corner for the hot tag. Double A with a back body drop on Stunning Steve. Left hands to both blondes. DDT on Pillman. Goes for the cover, but again, Austin breaks it up. Now Steve is working over Anderson with a top rope elbow drop. Tosses him out to the floor where he goes for a pile driver. Only for Arn to reverse it into a back body drop. Once back in the ring, Austin drops double A onto the ropes, and Brian gets involved from the apron. Stunning Steve then goes for a stun gun, but Anderson reverses it into a stun gun of his own. Pillman, he probably wouldn't be able to do that in a few years. Pillman stops the tag and goes to pick up Arn, only for double A to cradle him up for a six count, but the ref was distracted by Roma. Oh my god. Anderson and Flying Brian then run into each other for a double KO. And Arn makes his way to his corner, but Austin stops it with a back suplex. Stunning Steve knocks Double A out to the apron, goes to bring him back in with a vertical suplex, but Arn reverses, suplexing Austin out to the floor, Ooh. allowing Anderson to make it to the corner for the no <laughs> Pillman from behind at the last second. Ah, uh, Art. Flying Brian then hits a head scissors takedown and goes up top with a wedgie, only for Double A to clothesline him on the way down. Roll to the corner for the hot tag. Roma's in with a back body drop on Steve. Military press slam on Pillman. Right hands to both blondes. Clothesline on Brian. Arn then tosses Pillman out to the floor and follows it up with a spine buster on Austin. But Brian flies back into the ring to make the save. Still with the wedgie. Oh yeah. Paul then floats over on Stunning Steve. Goes for the Okada roll. But again the ref is distracted getting Anderson out of the ring. Damn you Anderson. Which allows Pillman to come in with the clothesline. So Austin rolls through and on top with a handful of tights for the pin and the win. 
my god crowd so hot what's funny is like i know that we're hitting like the bigger spots of these matches so when the matches are really good my notes get entirely too detailed it's a problem <laughs> i have so i'm like where is matt in here and a couple minutes into this i'm like oh they're like actually having a wrestling match so you know it's building or whatever so i had a note a few minutes in that was like wrist lock the match the movie the pay-per-view because <laughs> it is like you know they build up to it but it's it's wrist locks and you know hammer locks and yeah it's there they do the the catch thing to build to the bigger spots but this match is pretty long but it earns its length because of those things and also because of the characters the not only the work but just the the people are invested in these guys because these guys are invested in what they're doing and invested in the character they're portraying. So, I don't know if you guys know about the universal tapings that WCW did during 93, where they literally, over the course of a couple weeks down at Disney, they filmed like six months worth of TV. Oh, I know that they end up being recording at Universal and Disney, but like, Throughout the 90s, or early 90s. Well, to save money, they would film a bunch of their TV shows over the course of... Yeah, yeah. So, they've already written out... I didn't realize that had started yet. I thought that was like a 94 thing, but we're not far away. They're always in such good shape. Yeah. So, they had filmed all this stuff, and there were pictures that had hit the burgeoning internet. Oh, the internet's... Here in 93? The, the internet's out there. I, was, I thought you were about to say, like, dirt sheets. Dirt sheets, internet. Magazine. That kind of stuff. It, it hit the, uh, the the tape trading community. With the promotional material showing the horsemen as the champions. So, to the smart marks of the time, mm-hmm. that the horsemen didn't win here was a bit of a... Surprise! Oh, that's cool. So for like the ten people in there that are like wild nerds. Yeah. So like you know, Meltzer is like sitting there like, what? What? They, huh? didn't, they didn't do the title change. They swerved me. But yeah, I mean, I can't imagine there's a ton of them at this point in time. It at this show anyway. Yeah. But I just thought that was a interesting little. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's what I come here for. The friendship, <laughs> the wrestling, but you know. Wikipedia Matt. We then go to the stage and Eric and Missy are there. And Hyatt says, I really hate Hollywood, but I love really it. love the Hollywood blondes. I mean, and she a couple was of never guys. seen again. Aww. <laughs> Bischoff. Yeah, cue uh, Candle in the Wind, but the original version <laughs> for Max Payne. Bischoff then previews our next match, which is a 30-minute Iron Man match. Oh my god. And Missy says, two men... 30 minutes. This is more like a dream. Oh, where's Vince Russo? And you can see Eric roll his eyes so hard. <laughs> yeah, at that for, for the line that he probably wrote. <laughs> and she went on to do like porn and stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, so, yeah, yeah. This was. We didn't get another. Foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't get another <laughs> ad for Fall Brawl before heading off to our sixth match Ravishing Rick Rude. Versus the natural Dustin Rhodes for the vacant WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. 
in a 30-minute Iron Man match. Is Rick back to do it again? It is. It looks like it. I mean, like, Dustin has not been... He is not as well-versed in the ring as Steamboat, but as far as, like, pure talent, he's one of the best on the the roster. He's the natural. So, uh, you know, I am pants down for this match. Okay. (laughs) Matt gets it. (laughs) But there's not a lot to get there. So the story behind this match was that before Slamboree, Rude and Rhodes had a match for this U.S. title. But there was a controversial finish with two different refs seeing a different person with their shoulder up on a pin. That sounds convoluted. So the title would be vacated. But we did see the Ravishing One at Slamboree with the belt because at the time he was named the winner. And then they get vacated. But they vacated it later. Terrence. The two men would meet in rematches, but no winner had yet to be determined. So we finally get a blow-off? I hope so. Yeah. And Rick's back with uh, Stashless. Finally, a new gear that I've been whining about. And a new tune. Uh, and it's good. You don't like the tune? Oh, no. It's not as good as the original one, but it's new. It's fresh. It's horrible. Fresh like the rest of them. It's, it's, it's not ravishing. It's, it's not. It's, it's not... It's not Rick at all. But I, it's 93, he so just it's looks finally awkward the 90s. walking down to it because it's all upbeat and poppy. and. Yeah, I kind of like Ron Simmons' like new rap tune yeah. that was on here, which wasn't, like, I think the songs are good songs, but it's hard to change a wrestler's intro theme without changing their gimmick. Yeah, it's like they changed the lyrics to the old Steiner Brothers song where they were talking about the brothers, Rick and Scott, and now this one yeah. is... And just throwing out something about him and their being cousin ravishing. Shoney. <laughs> so the two men are jawing at each other to start back and forth, where they literally roll around the ring until the natural hits a back body drop and starts to work the back of Root. And I love that little roll around the rolling ropes. around. Oh, yeah, they just yeah. Get it yeah, it was it was an interesting way to start the match, definitely. 25 minutes remain as Dustin taunts the Ravishing One with some hip swiveling and continuing a chin lock. When Rick is able to kick Rhodes off, followed by a clothesline and comes off the top rope with a single sledge. Where he goes to swivel, but his back is hurting. Already? Mm, yeah, I mean, we got 30 minutes, but <laughs> gotta, gotta hit him quick. Rick starts working over the back, grabbing a bear hug which the natural tries to elbow his way out of, only to receive a belly-to-belly suplex. It's now time for the Ravishing One to lock on the chin lock, only for Dustin to fight his way back to his feet with Rude on his shoulders, hitting an electric chair drop, followed by a splash. But Rick gets his knees up. 20 minutes remain, and And the natural starts working the leg. The electric chair drop is so great because right now both these guys are selling their backs. Yeah. Like, they've been they've been working each other's backs. This is all, like, pretty great. In an, If you're having an Iron Man match and you don't do, like, any, like, limb, limb stuff, work. then, yeah. like, are you even, is it even wrestling? 20 minutes remain and the natural starts working the leg. Grabbing a leg bar, slamming it on the apron, only for the Ravishing One to escape with a rake of the eyes. Rhodes tosses Rude to the ropes. Telegraphs the back body drop. Never telegraph it. 
telephone it, but don't telegraph it. <laughs> Allowing Rip to make him pay for it with a kick to the face, hitting a neck breaker across the knee, and a rude awakening for the pin. So the ravishing one is up one to zero. Everything is right in the world. Rude goes up top and hits a flying clothesline for the pin. And no, Dustin kicks out. Son of a bitch. Rick continues the attack with face plants, but the natural finally rolls out to the ramp to regroup at the 15-minute mark. Back in the ring, the ravishing one with a snap mare and a chin lock right as Rhodes comes back in, only for Dustin to elbow his way out but then runs into a knee in the corner. Rude goes for a tombstone pile drive. Oh my god. Which the natural reverses to hit one of his own for a near fall. Rhodes then charges in with a clothesline, only for Rick to avoid sending Dustin flying over the ropes to the floor. How do you not just, you know, go for the pin after the pile driver? Come on. His daddy didn't teach him that. Once back in, the ravishing one hits a pair of suplexes and tries for a third but the natural reverses it into one of his own. Nine minutes remain as Rude nails Rhodes with a flying fist and starts to trash talk him, dragging his face across you ain't the ropes. Shit, Rhodes! <laughs> knee to the gut before locking on a sleeper, which takes Dustin down to the mat. Also, Tony Schiavone's like, well, the pitfalls live TV whenever he, uh, you know. The ref is checking Dustin's arm once, twice. twice. The arm actually touches the mat on the third try. But straight back up. <laughs> but the ref is being kind as the natural hits a jawbreaker to escape. The his does Dustin selling in that sleeper, but like bar none. Incredible. It's hard to say anything bad about either of these guys. Nope. Only for the ravishing one to come right back to maintain control, even spitting on Rhodes Ugh. with five minutes remaining. <laughs> Jesus, that shit's so gross. A double throat thrust, multiple head slams into turnbuckles, goes for another one, but Dustin comes alive, spitting on Rick. So the ravishing one with a rake of the eyes causes the natural to fall out of the ring with four minutes remaining. And then we get the motherfucker. We get, as Jesse Ventura put it, the farmer's handshake as uh, Rick Rude blows snot rockets out on Dustin, which I love you, Rick Rude. But even people that like Rick Rude at this point, you just gotta be like, fuck you. Like, the spit is one thing. I don't know what's grosser. They're both so disgusting. But this not rocket <laughs> somehow is like, you know, someone spitting on you while they kick you in the nuts. Yeah. It's fucking foul. Perfect. It is, I mean, it's, this, is, this is the only place where you should do that. Rude drags Rhodes back into the ring and starts throwing right hands, ducking Dustin's attempts, but telegraphs the duck too early allowing the natural to hit a bulldog for the pin. Oh my gosh. And we're all tied up with three minutes remaining. And I've got OMGs all over my notes. (laughs) Rhodes follows up with a flying elbow and a pile driver for the pin. And no, Rick gets a boot on the ropes. Body slam, jumping elbow drop for two, multiple lariats at the one minute mark. My God. Dustin locks on a sleeper, but the ravishing one escapes with a jawbreaker with 30 seconds left. You, I mean, you know, it's fresh in his mind. Dustin just did it. Didn't Rude goes up top, coming off with a double axe handle. But Rhodes ducks to avoid and turns to hit a DDT as time runs out. He gets the one count as we, you know, as we reach 
the last the second. time limit draw yeah. is the official announcement. Poo. I mean, great, but... I know, but yeah, Dustin Rhodes longingly looks at the belt. <laughs> I mean, I kind of saw the finish coming, but I was just like, we need the blow-off, we need the blow-off, we need the blow-off. And the only bad thing I have to say about this match at all is that we don't get the blow-off. Nope. And it's just like, yeah. fuck, where is it going to be? Because I trust that... Like, I don't trust that they'll follow through. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just don't trust that they'll follow through, but this was great. I just don't trust, I don't trust that they'll follow through, and that's my issue. We then go to Tony and Jesse. They preview the next match, where they go to a video package from Clash 23, where Flair attacks Wyndham while he's being interviewed at ringside. And then a week later on worldwide barry comes stomping down to the ring and the two men start brawling in the ring later in that show shivani is having the cameras following him to the locker room area and then outside of the building where the two men are still brawling <laughs> so that sets up our seventh match the nature boy rick flair versus barry windham for the nwa world's heavyweight championship Match gets going with Barry laying it in to start, only for Nature Boy to come back with chops, sending Wyndham to the corner, which Barry charges out of with a lariat. More flare chops, and Wyndham rolls to the outside to regroup. Woo! Barry with the hard Irish whip, causing the flare flip out to the floor, and Wyndham rolls out, begins to stalk Nature, hitting a clothesline before bringing him back in with the vertical suplex. Flair fights back with chops, eye rakes, clotheslines into the corner, locking on a sleeper, but Barry sends the nature boy into the turnbuckle for a flare flop and to break the hold. Fireman's carry slam and a power slam from Wyndham for a two count, followed by another lariat and a leaping clothesline for a near fall. Nate is sent to the ropes, coming off with a crossbody, sending Barry out to the floor, and Wyndham grabs Flair's boot dragging him out before hitting a body slam. Mm. Back in the ring, Barry continues the attack with mounted punches, only for the Nature Boy to escape with an atomic drop, followed by the rolling knee drop to begin working over the leg. Flair, you're too old! Which is very funny to say in 93. <laughs> How old was he in 93? <laughs> I don't 40, know, 40? I don't know. Something. Flair goes for the suplex, only for Wyndham to block and and lift Nate up onto the ropes, hitting a superplex. Woo! But he hurts his back as well. Of course, it's a superplex! So he doesn't make the cover. And nothing worse uh, than people uh, not uh, selling a superplex. So, you know, at least we're doing it right here in 93. Barry goes up top, coming off with an elbow drop, only for Flair to roll away to avoid. But Wyndham is still able to make the cover for two. Barry goes for the body slam, but the Nature Boy cradles him up for the pin, and no, Wyndham kicks out. That's a big boy to try to roll up. Yep. Barry with another hard Irish whip to get another flare flip. Only for him to land on the apron, run to the next turnbuckle, and come off with a crossbody. But Wyndham rolls through for the pin, and no, oh Nate kicks out. I mean, the roll through was pretty good because it's like, well, I mean, he knows Rick. I always liked it when he was able to... Flip, run, crawl back up, and jump oh, again. Oh, yeah, yeah. I hated it when he would get clothesline in between, because it was like, damn it, that's just, uh, just yeah, my thunder. Yeah, exactly. 
Both men go for shoulder tackles for the double KO, with Flair being the first to his feet to deliver a back suplex, and looks to go for the figure four, which Barry kicks away the Nature Boy a few times, before Flair kicks the knee and locks it on. Fuck, fuck you, Barry, you lone wolf son of a bitch. We now with Paul Roma's in our group, what are we doing here? Wyndham's reaching out for the ropes with his shoulders on the mat, and the ref makes the count for the pin... And, and the win. win. And, and new! Again. What is it, like, four, six, fifth time? This is ten. ten. Oh, this is ten? Yep. So, there's only six more after this? That's crazy. So, the question is, was it a botch or not? Oh, him grabbing the ropes? Him counted out. Him being pinned with his shoulders on the mat. Yeah, so I was trying to figure that out because uh, when... When the pin happened, I wasn't even paying attention to that, and all of a sudden they rang the bell. I was like, wait, what the fuck just happened here? Because, I mean, if you look at both of their faces, both Barry and Rick's face, they're like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> oh, yeah? So, wait, wait. Yeah, because, I mean, it just felt like we're, we're building something, we're building something, we're building something, done. Yeah. But they never actually got yeah. to what they were building. Like, I thought the finish was, like, smart and wild, because it, like, kept Barry safe. And it, like, keeps Barry safe, and it makes sense. I mean, rules are weird, but it's like, yeah, your shoulders are down, but it keeps him safe because he wasn't pinned. He's going for the ropes. You feel like he's going to get them. Like, you don't think that he's going to tap quite here yet, especially this early into a Ric Flair title match. So I thought that the finish was, like, abrupt, like, startling, but I thought that it was, like, smart and kind of exciting probably not as exciting in the arena but well i'm watching it at home and i had no clue what happened until because yeah yeah you're taking notes and stuff so like you know <laughs> you have to hit back and you're like oh yeah his shoulders are down so i mean if that's the case then like if i'm in that crowd i, I mean it's an no 11 11 minute rick flair like title win yeah crazy that's that's insane that's part of the thing and i think it's really good but that finish like the way like it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you got to change a title on a house show every once in a while. You got to change a title on TV every once in a while. But I felt like this is. I mean, I think that the not the title change that. was always going to happen. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I just think that there was probably another five minutes of this match. That At least, if there wasn't, there should have been. Because yeah, I mean, I was, I was happened. I was very into it, but then I thought that they also like. Barry like sold it pretty well, like with like fuck, like I fucked up, I fucked up. I was I because I was in a lot of pain. I was trying to do my thing, then get to the rope, and my brain wasn't all there because I'm in pain, and I fucked up and I laid down too long because yeah. I wasn't thinking about being pinned. I thought it was really cool, but I see exactly where you're coming from. Yeah, if it I was, didn't think that it wasn't a plan. If it was planned, but it then makes sense it now. It was a bad plan because I don't know. It's. Like, my full investment in the match hadn't really kicked in yet, and then it was over. Yeah, so it's like, it this is kind of a... It's also Ric Flair. This eh. is the first act here. You know what I mean? Yeah, true. Yeah. Like, 11 minutes, that's act one of yeah. a Flair title match. Yeah. They're, all, they're going, like, 28 at least. So Jesse interviews Flair at ringside, and he says, It's time to style a profile. Time once again to look at every wrestler in the world today and say, guess what? I'm back. I live for someone to prove that to be the man, 
you have to beat the man. Uh, I don't know if that's there or not, but this is... Uh, oh, I'm sure it was. I mean, <laughs> I imagine this is in the pantheon of, like, flare promos. This is great. It was a really good promo, actually. Because there was a lot of hidden meaning behind it. You know, he's the NWA world's champion, but you could see the twinkle in his eye. Oh, uh, yeah, and he's just, like, he's, there, he's all there. Boy, like, energy is up. He went only 11 minutes. Yeah. Ric Flair has another he's, He has another 40 minutes of energy he, in his body. He could have given the Lord Stephen Regal promo and said that he didn't even break a sweat. Yeah, he could have <laughs> he could have he could have had a match with Regal right after this and gone another 15 minutes. He could have done whatever Ron Simmons did to the equalizer or whatever that guy's name is. <laughs> I can't even equalizer. remember what equalizer looks like right now. I'm thinking Max Payne. He just it looks like a big old blonde cowboy. He kind of looks like a worst wild man Sal Balamo. Oh, oh, worst? Yeah. <laughs> Why is he a wild man, but he wears the, like... It makes no he sense. He wears the, like, uh, g- like gladiator garb. And that's probably the most notoriety that wild man Sal Balamo has ever yeah, gotten like, on a show he's other than an ECW only famous show. for his Halloween costume that he wears to the ring. So next up for us will be the Beach Blast mini-movie. Now, it's not on the pay-per-view. No. But you can go out there and watch it. It's our third mini-movie from this WCW era. Exactly. Um, They showed it on the WCW Saturday night from June 19th, 1993. It's right around the 18-minute mark. uh, So go and watch it. Probably 18-minute mark to maybe like 60-minute mark, I think, is how long this is. (laughs) It's a pretty long one. But we've done reenactments of the... Other two mini movies. Oh, so, because the those other mini movies are, they probably should have uh, like won like the Palm Door for a short film. Exactly. And <laughs> the year that they existed. And we've really enjoyed ourselves doing them. So yeah, we have to do the third one. Definitely. It's our trilogy of. And this is a Beach Blast one, so I mean, just imagine where this could possibly take place. So, the mid the tonight, beaches in Mississippi. <laughs> exactly. So tonight, Shane. We'll be betraying Vader, Davy Boy Smith, and Cheatham. Michael will be betraying Sting, Harley Race, and some of our extras from the beach. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go with um, Spring Break Teens. There you go. <laughs> and I will be betraying Matt, Colonel Parker, the Little Girls, and Sid Vicious, along with narrating of the... Of the mini Yeah, like, let us know where the hell we are. Because this goes a few... Pl- I mean, it all takes place on water or sand. But, you know, this one is the, probably the longest and has the most amount of cuts and maybe the lowest overhead. So as it begins, somewhere in the Gulf of Mexico. The Mississippi Gulf of Mexico. A boat is speeding along the water with Sid Vicious, Colonel Robert Parker, Harley Race... And Big Van Vader riding along with the captain of the boat. I'll turn the news. Sting and Davy Boy are here on the island somewhere having a party with a bunch of kids. Can you imagine that, huh? Biggest day of their life coming up, Beach Blast. What are they doing out here partying with a bunch of snotty-nosed kids? You mean to tell me they missed our rally? To be out here with a bunch of snotty-nosed stingers? 
Cool down, gentlemen. It makes my blood boil, too. But according to the map, the island has got to be out here somewhere. There it is, Colonel. I think I see the island just ahead of us. It's right there. Yeah! <laughs> we see Sting, Davy Boy, and a bunch of snotty-nosed kids playing volleyball on the beach. Colonel, if they don't accept the offer this time, they're going to be in for a big surprise. Is your man ready? Yeah, yeah, he's ready. Yeah, I'm ready. Do you trust Cheatham to get the job done? Please, let me do it. No, no, I'll take care of it. They'll see the reason, I assure you. And as for Cheatham, I trust him like he was my own. I told Willie B to be prepared in the event that Sting and Davy Boy don't see the light. If they decline our proposal, they'll be in for a beach blast like they've never seen before. So to speak. (laughs) (laughs) We see a shark fin, but it's Cheatham, the one-eyed little person from the other movies, with a snorkel and goggles on. He has a thermos with him as he swims up to two little girls. Hey, what's your name? My name's Jaws. You, you girls get on out of here. Cheatham is walking towards the beach with a speedboat behind him. He stops and pulls a bomb out of his thermos. Oh my gosh. Placing it inside the speedboat before heading back out into the water. We then go back to the volleyball game where the masters of the powerbomb boat arrives onto the beach. Whoa, whoa, hold it. Looks like we've got some unlocked guests. Hey, Sting, uh, what's going on? The boat's front end opens like a war boat from World War II storming the beaches of Normandy. Look, it's Sid and Vader. What do you suppose they want? Sid, Vader, Parker, and Race all walk down the ramp and onto the beach. Everybody, just stay here for a second. This looks like it could be pretty interesting. Davy, let's go see what they want. Yeah. Both crews walking towards each other on the beach. Davy boy, the skull is in the bones. The light beside our path are symbols of our victories. <laughs> Stinger, Davy boy. The crews finally meet after a long walk. <laughs> Sting. Davy boy. I can't believe you wouldn't accept our proposal. Sting, David boy, accept these two tickets here to the retirement haven of your choice or suffer the consequences. Oh, I don't know, Davy. I'm kind of thinking maybe we should just forget about this whole thing. I mean, we got the tickets. What are you talking about? Well... I'm just saying, look at the size of these guys. We got two tickets in our hands. We can fly out of here. We could get the whole... I don't want to offer them. Well, Davey, look. One more time. 450 pounds, Van Vader, 6 feet 7, 300 and somewhat pounds, Sid Vicious, masters of the powerbomb. I mean, maybe we should just take these tickets and just retire. All of the volleyball players are looking on... Very sad. Hmm. Nah! 
I don't think so. We'll see you at Beach Blast. Yay, Beach Blast. What is going on? Throwing his hat down. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Davy Boy, Sting, you just got your death warrant signed. Yeah. You're not going to make it to Beach Blast. You boys just made a serious mistake here. Enjoy your outing on this island today. You may be here for a long, long time. (laughs) (laughs) What do you suppose they mean by that? I don't know, Davey. They're just desperate people, and desperate people do desperate things. But I'll tell you one thing. They're going to be tough. Okay, guys. Let's go back and play some volleyball. Let's go and have some fun. We cut to the two little girls from the water talking to Sting. Karen, Christy, what did you guys want to tell me? There was a funny guy hanging around the boat. A funny guy hanging around the boat? Say what? Sting leaves, but Davy Boy then walks up to the girls. Hey, Sting, where's he going? He's going to see the guy hanging around the boat, going click, click, click. No, they wouldn't. Sting! Davy Boy runs down the beach towards the boat, where Sting is in it. We see a shot of the bomb's timer counting down. Davy Boy then dives towards the boat, knocking them both over the edge and into the water as the boat blows up. The crowd gasps in fear. El Gaspo! But then Sting and Davy Boy leap up out of the water, and the crowd cheers! To be continued. In our eighth match here at Beach Blast 1993. Exactly. Masters of the Powerbomb, Big Van Vader, and Sid Vicious with Harley Race and Colonel Robert Parker versus Sting and the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. Masters of the Powerbomb is a pretty bad tag team. Shouldn't they be like Master Bombers because they just like blew them up, or like... Uh, Would that be Master Blasters? <laughs> <laughs> and then what were Sting and British Bulldog called? The Superpowers? Or? Yeah, the, the, yeah, they because, the yeah because David Boy Smith, you know, is from the UK. So they're like, oh, you know... They're playing off the Macho Hulk yeah. thing. They're, but, n- they're yeah. not as good as... They should have, it should have been nah. the, the Bomb Boys versus the Beach Buddies. There you go. <laughs> but since they're here, I... Yes, Sting and Davy Boy were able to get off the island after all. Yeah, I mean, they were right next to that speedboat when it blew up. But I guess if you just put your head under the water, the explosion can't get you down there. Hey, that's what I learned growing up, you know, mm. watching movies in the 80s and 90s, is yeah. if there's an explosion, jump underwater, because it's like the boogeyman when you pull the blanket over your head. Yeah, you he's not there you. anymore. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you guys will get to hear a lot about speedboats exploding when we uh, start our Patreon show about... Thunder in Paradise, exactly. called uh, uh, Blumber in Paradise, uh, which is not <laughs> happening, and I just made up right now. The Stinger starts off with Vicious, taking him down with a tackle, several face plants, and a clothesline, only for Sid to retaliate with a choke slam. The Masters toss the Bulldog and Sting out to the floor, which they recover quickly and go up to the top rope coming off with stereo flying clotheslines to clear the ring. It's a good hot start. Once back in, it's Vader and Davy Boy, with the Bulldog being taken into a corner and given some stiff shots. 
Vader follows with a clothesline, headbutts, goes for a suplex, only for Davy Boy to flip over and deliver a stalling vertical suplex of his own for a two count. Impressive stalling vertical suplex on on Vad. Very much so. I mean, dude's 450 pounds. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's even holding him up there for any amount, any amount um, of time. Yeah, if it's not a snap suplex, it's impressive. And Davy Boy is the biggest guy in the roster. Like, as far as, like, not... Right? I mean, yeah. as far as, like, body-wise. But, you know, wrestling's fake. That's all smoke and mirrors. He's not really pulling the 450-pound guy, guy up in the Don't air. Don't use the F word here. I know. I apologize. Everybody can do a 450 if they're 140 pounds. <laughs> We're talking about big boys doing big boy things here. Bulldog then charges in with a clothesline, but Vader meets him with an avalanche splash to slow the momentum. Sid and Vader begin working over Davy Boy until a desperation sunset flip from the Bulldog. Vader goes to just sit down, only for Bulldog to move to avoid, but Vader with an elbow drop to keep control. I know, such a smart spot. It's like, yeah, he avoided it, but Vader's no fucking dummy. Mm -hmm. Sid comes in with a double axe handle, locks on the nerve hold. Oh my gosh. Which Davy Boy fights out of with a body slam. Vader's back in with Race holding the bulldog on the ropes and charges in for a splash. But Davy Boy moves, sending Harley out to the floor and allows the bulldog to make it to the corner for the hot tag. You think Harley Race said, You should have took the tickets. <laughs> Stinger punches everything in sight, <laughs> drop kicks Vader, but the big man reverses an Irish whip and charges in for a splash, which Sting avoids. But as he staggers away, Sid hits him with a clothesline. Uh-uh. From the apron, followed by a Vader clothesline. My gosh, you're just getting uh, hung out to dry. The Masters begin working over the Stinger now, when Vader goes for a superplex, only for Sting to bite his face and clap his ears to drop him to the mat. Face biting's in. Poor Vader in those ears, man. The Stinger starts <laughs> crawling to the corner, but Vader hits an elbow drop to stop the tack. The MVP of this match is Vader's elbow drop. Sig comes in with a body slam and an elbow drop as well. But the Stinger rolls away to avoid and is able to get to the corner for the hot tag. Bulldog's in with multiple clotheslines on Vicious, but Sig goes low with a boot, allowing Vader to come in with a Samoan drop, followed by a Vader bomb, making the cover. But Stinger makes the save. Sid then comes in brawling with Sting, taking both men out to the rampway. Vader's blows look so shoot. Mm-hmm. Like, those just, like, the, his, basically, like, uh, they're, ki- they're kind of like uh, like nighttime soap opera, like, girlfriend punches, where they just, like, <laughs> are coming from you, like, left and right. But, like, they're done with, like, vigor, and he just looks like he's just, like, pounding the shit out of them. It might not be fist forward, but, like, those forearms, those inner forearms are just pounding them, like, left and right. It looks awful. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean it looks great, but it looks like uh, I don't want anybody to do that to me. Basically dropping like 70-pound hams on their head. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. While Sid and Sting are brawling out on the rampway, Vader goes up top and hits a Vader salt. What the For fuck? the pin. And no, no, the Stinger flies in over the top rope to break it up. It's pretty exciting. Yes. Davy Boy's up and starts running the ropes. Ducking a Vader clothesline 
and then jumps onto his shoulders with the crucifix. Oh my god. Taking him over for the pin and, and the win. win. We then get Tony and Jesse at ringside recapping the main event. And Vader comes by and slaps Shivani from behind. Oh my gosh. Starts Tony yelling at this. him. He slapped, he slapped the zinc off his nose. Yep. And then slams a chair on the floor next to him. And you could tell Tony was kind of actually a little bit afraid there for like a moment. He was like, uh, what did I do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tony also looks like he's pretty exhausted. Uh-huh. Like, well, I mean, for the last hour of the show, he had Jesse reaching over, grabbing his fucking nose, trying to get his zinc, <laughs> making a different point every time of, what is that? What is that? What is that? Yeah, Even yeah. though he was told every single time. How many times can you ask before you're over? Yep. They then preview Fall Brawl before saying their goodbyes as the credits roll. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Beach Blast 93? It was not a slog. I will say that the faces working underneath in the last match, real good. And I love the believable finish. There's that. I'm just, I just kind of working backwards because we just got there. <laughs> but it's not Beach Blast 92, but it's hard to, hard to have any collection of okay to fine two decent matches compared to one of my favorite wrestling matches at this point in history. I, I agree with some of that. For me, it was... Yeah, I think of the right way to put this. Good show question mark? It That's was what I wrote down. Almost the right amount of beach, not enough blast. Oh, touche. That's, that's what touché. I'll say about it. It just... Good, not great, but so, not so it quite. It feels like we have a. It picks up as it goes on, for sure. So if we were to rate this like out of ten, it kind of sounds like Michael's like a seven and a half. Ooh, probably more like like probably seven, and that the highest. It depends. It's like was it work rate or watchability or just general enjoyment? Like it's kind of a hard thing to judge because it's wrestling. Some wrestling shows aren't great, but they're like pretty enjoyable watch like we're just like oh like that wasn't hard okay well it basically feels but you're like, right you're you're you're, you're you got it it you basically feels like we're the three little pigs mm-hmm. <laughs> matt hates the show you liked it a lot i, you I liked li- it the most i liked it fine i was not it was not hard it was not a hard watch yeah. it was not excited i was not pumped about it i didn't walk away with any match that is going to be particularly memorable but it was not a two-evening watch for me. Yeah. It was a one-evening watch. Shane was just like, okay with yeah. it. If, if we're going out of ten, I'd give it five. barely a four. Oh. If I'm being nice. I did not like this show. It's not a good show. The endings it's not a good show, but matches I were just way too stupid for me. Oh, the finish is all... Basically, and, I still think the fire finish. And, and I'm going to say this. When an Eric Watts match is in my top three of the evening... Something's very wrong. Yeah, I still think that the the Barry Windham finish. I feel like that maybe it was what they were trying to do, and they just sold it well. And if it is, then it makes it even worse. For you me. think so? Yeah. I like it that finish. Makes it finish. even worse for well, me. See, I'm trying to remember. I like that, that time finish. To... Barry Barry it... Windham doesn't need to keep it on them. They don't need to keep it on him. And also, like maybe they want to still use him. He's a big guy, so like Flair pinning a guy that big clean. Man, might I, be I know he was kind of wild. A transitional champion, but he was. But he's huge. He's a huge guy, though. I mean, they basically put the belt on, and they're also friends. Set it up for Flair to win. Yeah, they're also like friends. Yeah. So it's like, well, 
Rick's going to do a favor I mean, we, for, some, for somebody like we him. We didn't ever cover any Flair Wyndham matches from the late 80s, but there are matches out there between those two guys oh, like, that are considered classics, mm-hmm. but they were not on pay-per-views that we covered. Yeah, they were like early clashes, probably, that we skipped. I don't think stuff. they were even on clashes. I really? think they were on like some house shows or some like TVs. weird things that just... They weren't, exist. They weren't big shows. Yeah. So they never they up. never ran a like a like modern program no, together. Correct. And here they still didn't run a program. They have But I match. mean literally why I mean just main event wise, like Sting flying in and breaking up the pin. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I like yeah, that. That was great. But then why does Davy Boy have to put the crucifix on him for the pin? Why not let Davy Boy hit the running power slam? I'm like, they're winning. I'm going to spoil. Davy Boy gets another title chance. So let him have a win. It's kind of the whole, the same issue we had with, and I know it's not Vader's fault in this instance, but it's the whole same kind of issue that we used to have with Hogan when they were in tag matches. Like, I remember Survivor Series 88, I think it was, was, or 86 maybe, when it was Andre the Giant's team versus Hogan's team. Andre the Giant should have won the match. He should have like, somebody. Should have pinned Hogan mm-hmm. to set up the WrestleMania match, but they Hogan's not gonna Hogan him. got counted out. Yeah, and it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, like Hogan can lose a match can when he? it's when it's not a championship match. But, that, but that's I what, mean, I, but yeah, that's in what my I'm head, saying. yes, he can. Of course, he can. It doesn't lose. All it really does is make it more interesting. You don't lose anything by losing in a tag match. Even when you're the champion, it just sets up your next challenger. Yeah. So that's why I would have preferred having Davy Boy get up How? and hit the running power slam on Vader because yeah. that would have been super that would have impressive. Been, that would have been yeah. definitely fucking I mean, great, and he's obviously capable too. of doing exactly. it. So it's like the yeah the signature move instead of the crucifix. The crucifix is still cool. It is. Don't get me. But right. I understand that. But that didn't bother me. Or, or any, get the two, get the get the near fall with the crucifix and then yeah. hit the running power slam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm okay with yeah. that even. Like just take that one step further with it. Yeah, yeah, I can see that complaint, but it didn't didn't bother me at all. I mean, but I know, I know a, that's not something that like, it's obviously not the biggest people. problem on it the show. It is not definitely not the biggest problem. But I mean to say that yeah. that's just that's like that's just number like ten, that's like number ten on the. Yeah, you're just talking like of, like big match picture. You're like, come on, you guys are you guys can do this. Yeah. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. I mean, I think we need to just get into it because. I mean, we've been getting into it. Exactly. Yep. So, but let's. We like to do the Oreo sandwich here. So. Yeah. What are the best moments of this show? The kiss. Heard around the world. <laughs> you like the kiss. The kiss heard in my heart. The Eric Watts Regal catch wrestling segment. Regal's promo uh, while he's bleeding and sweat Regals, and talking that he's not Regals sweating. Promo. Like he is the legitimately the full package. Flair's promo. Flair's promo also like I was like oh this is is this in the pantheon of Flair promos and I don't think that it is but it's that good that I thought for a second I was like is this one of the big Flair promos that's like that I don't that I haven't seen or isn't talked about and it might just be a stock Flair promo but it's a stock. You know, he's running through the script, but he's doing it with more energy than he has at times. Eric Bischoff rolling his eyes at Missy's sexual innuendo yeah. line. 
I laughed so hard when I saw yeah. that. Roads and Rude was great, but it was like, yo, let's have a fucking finish. Yeah. Let's have a finish. Either of these guys can lose. They both can take the loss. The baby face can take the loss. Rick Rude can take a loss because he's such a good heel. Mm-hmm. And you can still have a, a last second pin. It could, a fucking a pile driver should always equal a three count. Most of the yeah, time, the driver hasn't counted to a, towards a three count in years. Yeah, and that's other, a, than, other than unless Undertaker delivers it, which yes. is kind of respectful to the Undertaker. But it's a pile driver, man. Drop somebody on their head. No, I agree with a lot of those. Though, I mean, best for me, the the Hollywood Blondes. I don't yeah, think anything any... that deals with them. I'm usually drawn into it because the two of them just have that. I will say, Paul Roma chemistry. gets a bad rap for being like. Though, like, he's the least memorable horseman, for sure. Mm. But he's not the worst. It's just that they shoehorn him in, but he's by no means a bad worker. And he he does look the part. It's just one of those things. It's like... He's not Tully. That's that's that's, the biggest complaint about Paul. Yeah, and he's not not a big guy like the other big guys they've had in there. So he's not as physically impressive as Lex or whatever, or Barry Windham. But as far as, like, three average... Height, big guys go. I think they all look really good next to each other. They do. He just, yeah. He, and he is obviously good in the ring, but it's just like he's there because he's, somebody else wouldn't be there. I mean, for me, the horsemen were always the... Creme de la creme. Yeah, they were the, the best yeah. of the best. They had the over-the-top personalities. They were awesome on the yeah, mic. Yeah, like Lex is the best of the best as far as and looking like a wrestler. Paul Roma, I've never... I mean, he has the potential... Because he's got the physique. He looks great he here. Look, he's great in this match, even he though he has the least to do. He's boring when he has ever been on a microphone, which is why he's hardly ever on a microphone. Yeah. Um, which is funny because, like, Arn, people mostly think, don't think about him as a promo, but Arn promos, Arn, are, so Arn promos are, he's one of the more solid he's promos like that, of all time. You know, you, like, you don't as far as the just. quiet ones, and, you know, he's a quiet one, and then he blows up, and. Yeah, he's kind of, he's got, like, that Jake energy where it's like. Jake stays quiet and then, like, gets louder, but Arn stays in between the loud and the quiet to where it's more just, like, a line drive. He's, like, straight at you. Give me a faction of, like... But he doesn't draw you in. Rick Martel, Paul Roma, and Z-Man. Ooh. I'd see it. I love it. They they would actually mesh well together because Mm -hmm. they have similar styles. Manager, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. I'm kidding. Of course. I mean, hell, throw Lanny Poffo in there instead. Oh. I'd rather take the genius as a manager over Brutus. Fuck. But I just feel like Brutus' look feels right with those three guys in a weird way. Let's move on to most disappointing, because I know we're going to have a few things here. Most of the finishes, except for the ones that I liked and you didn't. (laughs) Which is only like two of them. Like, not mad at the crucifix, and I'm not mad at at the figure four, like, Barry fucking up. Like the not clean, not clean uh, berry pin. I think that's cool. I just think that it was short and it kind of was like you though you had a five minute wick on a bomb, but it went off at like minute two and a half, and you're like, whoa, wait a second. Uh, I mean, but I think just... that those surprising endings are good. Some of these matches, I guess, maybe just because of how they turned out, they just didn't need to be on here anyways. Like every were... every single one of these matches. 
You're deals. Back well, Scorpio versus the Texicans that nobody remembers. Yeah. Now, I don't know why they were put on here. Now, I'll give Steven Regal and, and Eric Watts, I'll let them even stay on the show because, yeah, they... They, they were well together. Yeah, I would say yeah. that that like the the best matches on this show all feel like second to last or main event of clash clashes. of champions of clash yeah. champion matches as opposed to pay per view. Like, I think they're great clash matches, but mm-hmm. like there's the blow offs aren't good enough, and the fucked finishes shouldn't be here. Like the last three matches. The endings of all of them, at least to me anyway, sucked. Like the, I, I completely agree. The rude, the rude roads match. Great match. There was yeah, great until, match. But the, until nobody no wins. I, I didn't like that match as much as you guys. I mean, it's 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 I the whole time I'm like, yeah, I really like this. I like it. I like it. But I it's not like it's not steamboat rude. We're steamboat and rude. I'm legitimately like two inches from my computer screen with like my eyes I mean, just like there and I'm like punching myself in the leg and be like, this is the best thing. Yeah. I mean, I've the thing seen. is, is Rude got the, the first pin before the 15 minute mark. And then we didn't get another pin. And then we didn't get another pin until the four minute mark. I'm like, at that point, I'm like, once it actually hits like the seven minute mark and Dustin doesn't have a pin, I'm like, okay. We're I know, going to time. I know this is going yeah, to time. I, I had a strong feeling we are going to time. And then I was like, maybe it won't, maybe it won't, because that one, that other match was so intelligent, was so smart, that I was just like fucking chewing my fingernails like a goddamn cartoon. And this one, I was like, all right, well, maybe they'll pull this off in a really cool way, and instead they do the time no, limit thing, and this is not the place for the time limit. The U.S. belt has been vacated for so long. Put like, it on, this motherfucker. Is... Put it on, Dustin. Right. This is July 18th. No, the belt was vacated in March, so there hasn't been a U.S. champion for four months. You either put point. it put it on Dustin and move on, or or Rude wins. I mean, put it on either one of them. Yeah, but either. Who, but I'm just saying, who wins Rude, the match. Rude, Rude wins. Point, just put it yeah, on fucking Rude match wins game. with a fistful with a fistful of trunks <laughs> or like a leg up, and then they go to the cage, and you get the cage blow off. But you can't have this. This. I mean, time limit thing. I would have even been better with getting basically the same reason why the belt got vacated, where the two different refs saw have Rude be pinned by that DDT mm-hmm. with as time runs out, but Rude gets his foot on the rope as the belt as yeah. the time runs out. I would rather that ending and Put Rhodes, it in the cage. and Rhodes is the winner. On the pay per view, but then they vacated again the next week. Yeah, you know whatever. I would prefer that ending than a time limit draw. I want a better ending here, and then I want it to go to a cage, and I want Dustin to just bleed like a stuck pig, and then go fucking bleed and like then, your daddy taught you. Yeah, and then go and then go Dusty roll fists uh, to Rude and bulldog him in the center of the ring. I would love that. Well, before we grab on too much, let's go ahead and go to our best performer of the night. That's hard because there's a lot of people that were good in matches that weren't great. And there are a lot of people that were great in matches that weren't good. Hmm. But, I mean, I know Matt's answer. Or, or Steven Regal. Regal. Yeah. Yeah. Because he made Eric Watts look good. That's kind of where I was leaning to. Yeah. I mean, if it's not him, then it's Arn Anderson for me. 
Yeah. I because mean, I, I agree with you that Paul Roma has talent. I mean, he's not the best performer of the night. I'm just but Arn I Anderson just, still carried. I was just that sticking match. up for him in general, as far yeah. as like just because we're probably not going to talk about him a lot, and he's here now, and I don't think that like he deserves to be shit on as he a horseman. Really he's be shit on, but he doesn't but really like, deserve to be shined on either. Exactly. So I'm just shining on him in like just bringing to light that there's no real problems with Paul Roma. The person or the worker, it's just that's not what people wanted. And maybe even Vader, because Vader, Vader's fists were Vader's disgusting. Just, they were Vader's evil. just awesome. They were evil. <laughs> that, He's legitimately just awesome. I mean, he did that, that Vader, Vader salt. salt. Yeah, yeah. And then say that alone, you know, I don't know if that goes for my. Yeah, you know, I think Pillman, uh, Pillman, and Austin really came together here. I think that that might be my like one of the highest points is that they became like completely cohesive. In a way where, like, they are like fully blown their tag team yeah. right here. They are, Before, they have it all, it's all down. They know it inside and out. They're doing it without even trying. Yeah, there's nothing for they were in Austin. Now they are officially the Hollywood Blondes. Yeah, it's really like they have it, they have it all. They have the, yeah, the like sh- talking shit to the crowd as they walk out. They're doing the camera heel shit. Austin just like, the kiss just really <laughs> was the greatest thing I've ever seen. How about surprises? I'm gonna go with the Vader salt. Vader salt, yeah. yeah, that was. I I know he I knew he did that move, but I wasn't expecting it. And see, yeah, I'll go. I for mean, the Vader I know salt. that he's done that before. I didn't, or has that that has happened. I didn't know if he had done that before this match, but it happening here was just like ooh. But his ferocity throughout this whole match, like his brawling fists legitimately like made me wince mm-hmm. yeah for me it's either the vader salt i yeah i'll go for the vader salt i was gonna say the the regal watts match but i actually liked the hollywood blondes match with eric watts and whoever was in it on the last show <laughs> uh, where he got his ass handed to him. Bagwell. <laughs> Bagwell, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, so this I've, is, I've already liked an Eric Watts match. Yeah. So. The show is Aki Aki. So, so, but in Spanish. It's just like, it's like, there's good stuff here, but when it comes down to it, it's not a must watch. Yeah, but I don't no. think that it's boring. I don't think no. that the show was hard to watch at all. I, I literally feel like the only reason to watch this show is if you're a flare completist. Really? That's really That's the only it? reason to watch this show. I think that the show is entertaining and worth your time. If you want to watch a 93 WCW pay-per-view, yeah, there's be, worse 93 WCW pay-per-views. To be the middleman, I'll just say, meh. I mean, to yeah. To put it in I'd modern s- terms. Kind of on the meh. <laughs> but it's, I don't know. <clears throat> there's some of these shows we watch where I'm just like, Ugh. And this one was... It piqued my interest the whole time. All of the answers to my questions were not the ones that I wanted, ones I assumed, or ones that I thought were good. So it's just like, yeah, like I'm excited for this match, and then it ends, and I think that it's pretty good, and then it ends in a place that really leaves me wanting. And that happens so many times that that's why it's so-so. That's why it's the line drive there's good matchups here but there's no they don't see through the vision of putting these people together there were lots of dusty finishes 
And they weren't even the dustiest, because I knew what was happening while I watched it. <laughs> Making their way to the ring! It's trivia time! All right. Woo! The answer is... Ravishing Rick Rude versus Ricky Steamboat in a 30-minute Iron Man match at Beach Blast 1992. Give me seven points. Is that your final answer? Yes. All right, cool. <laughs> Did I win? Uh, okay, cool. <laughs> so this week, the category is the numbers game. The numbers game. Uh-huh. So we're going to use prices Right rules. Mm-hmm. Okay. Three points for the closest answer without going over. 80 wrestlers. <laughs> I think we both were like 80 or 100. Is very I was funny. like 200 and something off the last time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the question this week, how many different wrestler theme songs oh my God. have we played oh. at the end of an episode? Oh, Ooh. different. That's rough. Because like how many Hogan's? We're what? This is episode 95? Just the first 80 episodes. First 80 episodes. Let's see here. Got my guess, and it's probably... Got two numbers in my head, and I don't know why. But I don't know which one to pick. Gonna have to choose one. 80 shows. Well, all right. I'm gonna go with my first number. Shane, are you doing math over there? I hear more. Kind of. Are you? He's like, (laughs) 400. Writing down names. (laughs) It's less than 80, I promise. But Shane's over here dividing by zero. It's zero. Yeah, it's yeah. We, uh, zero. yeah. I mean, we never heard of Bob Backlund theme. Is is there ep- is there episodes where there was no outro theme because the guy didn't have a theme? Nope. Which makes me feel stronger about my... Admitted... I may not have had the right theme it, music, but I found Admittedly low number. Mm-hmm. Shane, where you at? Come on. Mm-hmm. We got it. We need it. Where's our... Uh... Do you have your number? Yeah, I've had mm-hmm. it. Okay, well, I'm for sure. I don't, we'll go... I'm not trusting it, but... Okay, our answers are... 22. Oh my god! (laughs) Are you serious? Yeah. Shane goes with 21. I said 20. Michael goes with 22. Oh my god. My other number was 37, but we'll find out what Matt says. The correct answer is 32. 32. Oh my god! So three more points for Michael. But I do have Mm. a couple of bonus questions this week for you. Oh my god. I can't believe... 21. 21's my favorite number. I, I will give you... See, I was originally thinking 33. I was like, no. My other thought was 37. I was like, those are the two numbers that popped in my head, <laughs> so I went with the lower one. So, two bonus questions this week. Okay. The first one is two points. You have to give... And both of them, you have to give me the answer. There's no multiple choice or anything. Yeah, like yeah. You have to give me the exact answer. Okay. First question is two points. Second question is one point. Okay. The first one is the name... Of the song that was played the most times. Okay, and we're writing this down? You don't have to write it down. Oh, okay. just doing it just so I can remember so he doesn't have to repeat. Okay, well, I mean, I assume that it's one of two songs. Maybe. Maybe. Okay, what's the next question? And how many times was that song played? Okay, I have my two answers. Hmm. Okay. Okay, so what theme was played the most? I got Real American. Yeah, so I got Real American. Rick Derringer? Can I get an extra point for that? Okay. You're both wrong. Oh, oh it's Spotch there, Sustra. Spotch. All right. Well. But how many times was Spotch played? My guess is 14. 28. Neither one of you are right. <laughs> but it was 13. Oh, it was close. close. 
My original, that's, I mean, I, my, I had that thought for a second where I was like, well, it's Spotch or Real American, but, you know, they get the drop with 83, but I feel like that that's only a couple of years, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's like only a couple of shows, really. Flair over in WWF where he didn't really main event a yeah, lot yeah. of pay-per-views. But only one time did we play in WWF. Yeah. When Rumble. he had the Rumble. Yeah. Well, I knew it was one of the two, but I still can't believe, honestly, that it is what was the do you know the hulk number i believe it was 12 12 12 and and the other technically, one was 14 i mean or 13 hogan actually had three themes played cuz he had eye of the tiger oh, played at wrestlemania oh that's what does it cuz otherwise he would have been all day real american for yeah. like 12 times yeah and then there was the macho man uh, when they teamed uh, with the superpowers they had a Combo theme. Yeah, where they like spice. So it was literally, yeah. That was the reason that he was lower. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's a good question, Matt. My God. Those were the, I mean, we knew that it was one or the other. And we had the right idea in mind where it was a Hulk theme played technically. It's a good question. Damn it. So what's that put our uh, our score at? I think you're up by a couple still. Shane at 17 points and Michael at 16 points. Next week. Monday Night Raw from July 19th, 1993. Say what? Uh Uh-huh. This is where we finally get the Mia Farrow-Woody Allen cage match. Very possible. For the belt to stay out of jail. Yeah, good luck with that. (laughs) Music from this week's show is Good Timing by David B. Fields. And Davey Boy Made the Pin... And he also got his theme music. His theme music, a, a slightly different version from his WWF version. It's kind of like the uh, when we get the the lame spotch. Yes. Yes. So I'm just gonna play "Rule by Britannia" by Leonard Bernstein, which you're hearing right now. You can always go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. You can always email us. At wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com with any questions, comments, concerns, recipes. We're going back to New York. Going back to New York. We need to do a chopped cheese. Is that a New York thing? I don't know. I think it's basically like a hamburger sandwich. It's called a chopped cheese, it's the thing. So we'll have to do a chopped cheese when we go to New York sometime. I've never heard of I mean, I know. It's a thing. Like, I've cut cheese. I'll do it. I know, I sit next to you for hours. <laughs> or you can always send any of that stuff to our Twitter at Wrestling Pisto X. That's Wrestling H I S T O X. We'll talk to you next week. Later.